Hey, everybody. With the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suters. We own and we produce CES, the most influential tech event on the planet. We are here to help you get CES ready. The next show is January 8th through the 11th, 2019, in Las Vegas. And every major industry and every emerging industry will be represented in some way at the show. So today, we're talking about the fact that every company is or needs to be a tech company. Major brands are at CES. 70 companies from the Fortune Global 100, 96 members of the Interbrand 100 attended CES in 2018. And today we're talking to two major exhibitors of the 2019 show from very diverse sectors, one from agriculture and one from health and beauty. And these are global brands you know well. John Deere and L'Oreal, longtime companies, longtime brands who see the benefits of driving technology. And not just that, they both have dedicated functions within their companies for innovation labs, driving internal innovation to drive their success in the 21st century. Today on CES Tech Talk, a conversation about the fact that every company is a tech company. With us today is John Teeple. He is Director of Advanced Technology at John Deere, and he's joining us from HQ of the Intelligent Solutions Group for Deere in Iowa. And John, great to have you with us today. Great to be here, Tyler. So our theme today, as you've heard, every company needs to be a tech company today, and in many ways, every industry is a tech industry. Uh, that said, few companies are as old, as venerated as a company like John Deere, a nearly 200-year-old history. Boy, how do you become a tech company? How do you see yourselves as a tech company with, with, with so much experience in, in one, one sector? Well, interest, interestingly enough, we, we've viewed ourselves as a technology company since uh, really since our foundation. Our namesake, John Deere, uh, was an innovator himself and developed the, the world's first polished steel self-scouring plow that was able to really open up the, the West to uh, agricultural advancement. And, and since then, Deere's made important strategic investments in technology, like the uh, acquisition of the Waterloo Gasoline Engine Company that allowed us to transition from horse-drawn uh, equipment to, to, the, to the engine and the tractor to our uh, acquisition of Navcom Technologies, uh, where we acquired our, our GPS technology. That's the heart of our self-driving and geospatial data for our data solutions. And most recently, the acquisition of Blue River Technology and continuing our foray into machine learning and computer vision and robotics. But Deere's just had a long history of innovation and really focused on helping farmers achieve the best possible outcomes on every pass of a John Deere machine over their fields. And we've really been a pioneer in emerging technologies like advanced sensors and automation, uh, the Internet of Things and our connected machines uh, and AI. And we're continuously making strides in this area through investments in cutting-edge technologies and bringing those advanced technologies to market uh, through John Deere Equipment and Technology Solutions. Yeah, so let's uh, hone in on, uh, on some of those specific uh, technology innovations, John, that, that you're dealing with. Um, AI especially. Um, it's, it's what we would call a, a horizontal category, perhaps, at uh, CES, and that it's touching virtually every sector 
and, and so many companies and products that, that, that are shown there. Um, the agriculture sector is no different. So how is AI being implemented through John Deere as a game changer in terms of advancing farming and, and agriculture writ large? Great question. You know, farming is a really complex business. If you think about uh, a field, it's really a, a, an ecosystem in and of itself uh, of a tremendous amount of, of actions and uh, decisions being made every day across millions of acres with millions of plants. And to reach the maximum potential of their fields, farmers have to precisely manage each of these plants as they grow and the, the nutrients that are required to, to feed and protect those plants. John Deere equipment and technology helps farmers work with precision and make better decisions by seeing through computer vision, sensing through other advanced sensors, and then acting or actuating on levels beyond what a human or a farmer can do themselves. And in order to do that, we need incredibly smart, connected machines that convert all of that data being collected to controlled actions through the use of artificial intelligence technique, techniques like machine learning and reinforcement learning. They do this by processing an enormous amount of data to make those real-time adjustments and recommendations on the machine. And the exciting thing about the capabilities of this new technology is that our machines are getting smarter over time. Mm -hmm. So individual machines are performing the job better than they've ever been able to do it. Uh, and now with machine learning, they're improving. And, and not only that, the, the network of connected machines are improving each other. So advanced sensors, computer vision, the connectivity of those machines and machine learning along with the advanced robotics and automation on those machines help farmers know what's happening with each seed, with each plant, with each machine and component of the machine. And these technologies allow the farmer to operate smarter, more efficiently, more productively, more precisely, and, and ultimately um, more sustainably now as well. You know, as I hear that explanation, John, uh, I think that when you talk about connectivity and, and smart vehicles and constant data collection and um, ensuing adjustments, um, you take out farming and agriculture, and I would think you just describe self-driving vehicles, right, as, as a category and, and, and the benefits <laughs> they deliver. Do you at, at John Deere see a strong parallel between self-driving vehicles as we know them to the extent that they will be on the roads and we as consumers will embrace them and, and use them and never look back? Um, or is it distinct um, broadly just for farming and agriculture? Are they, are they closely connected in your mind? There definitely are connections. I think most of uh, society has really been been hearing about self-driving cars in, in recent years. Mm -hmm. uh, John Deere has been in the self-driving uh, business uh, for over 15 years uh, when we introduced our first uh, self-driving machines, which are really based as, on a foundation of initially um, GPS information through our acquisition of Navcom technology. But self-driving is really a, a standard in terms of large production agriculture. So as you're driving across major bread baskets of the world and you see large green John Deere machines in the field, more than 90% of those machines are actually self-driving. They're operating as operating without, without human intervention during most of their uh, operation in, in the field. So we as consumers, the, the, the vehicles, the John Deere vehicles we see in the field today, John, 90% of them? have the capability to be uh, self-operational or self-driving? 
That's right. 90% of those machines, those large ag machines you're mm-hmm. seeing have GPS capabilities, including John Deere technology that we refer to internally as AutoTrack, which is our self-driving capability. So all of those machines you see, um, most of those machines you see are, are self-driving capable. In most cases, they're probably operating uh, in a hands-free mode. Okay. Now, as uh, helping me digest that is the fact that that John Deere, as you just said, has been in this for 15 years now, since since roughly 2003. I mean, that, that at least in the public sphere, predates where a, most, if not all, the tech sector has been on self-driving, at least publicly. It's really exciting. When we acquired uh, NAVCOM Technologies the, the, that produces the GPS that is the core of our self-driving capabilities, at that, that was in 1999, and we were actually working with uh, the Department of Defense and the NASA's uh, Jet Propulsion Lab in the development of technologies that had never been applied to, to uh, actual machine control. So we were using uh, highly precise GPS technologies. In and 10 to 15 years ago, in the development of these very first machines that were that were self-driving, that really serve as the foundation of of John Deere's highly precise self-driving machines today. I assume you have a much different perspective, being in the heart of the Intelligent Solutions Group, and you see yourself as a as a as a tech solutionist or an innovator, and you see John Deere as a technology company. I mean, is that accurate, or am I, or am I projecting on you a little bit here? No, we really are a technology company. The exciting thing about uh, production agriculture is is farmers are actually very innovative, and they're generally early adopters of technology. And Deere has found ourselves in a position where we can we can lean in and lead throughout our 180 plus year history in the application of advanced technologies to agriculture. And as we think about uh, an agri- large agricultural machine, uh, we're really not just moving people from point A to point B, those machines in the field are complex factories on wheels. So the requirements for for uh, advanced sensors, automation, certainly high-speed connectivity to the cloud, um, and data sharing and capture uh, and visualization, whether it be in the cab with the operator uh, or it be on a mobile device uh, or on a desktop. Uh, there are many connected partners supporting those farmers with the most advanced technologies in the world to, to really make agriculture more and more precise, to improve yields, to support a, glowing, a growing global population as well as to minimize uh, the application of, of inputs to ensure that agriculture continues to, to be more and more sustainable and, uh, and highly productive and ultimately uh, impact the, the farmer's bottom line. So John Deere is going to have a very visible presence at CES 2019. I know you'll be uh, out in front uh, of your exhibition space uh, talking to people, and you'll probably get a lot of reactions like mine were, which is, wait, wait, what? John Deere has been here how long? And John Deere is at, at CES, um, which is probably something to the extent of what you're looking for. But what is your, your strategy for engaging this very tech-centric uh, professional audience? And, and, and what are your plans going into CES 2019? Well, this is our first year at CES, and we are really excited about it. We're planning to make a big splash by bringing the farm 
to Las Vegas. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go big. And our booth uh, is uh, is going to be located in the South Hall. We're, we're going to be within the artificial intelligence section. Mm-hmm. We're really excited about being there because the attendees are going to have an opportunity to see a, a, a huge uh, John Deere S700 combine harvester uh, in the booth and have a chance to speak with uh, some of our technology experts that are going to be there. Uh, helping them better understand what we're doing with AI and connectivity and automation. And we're going to have the world, undoubtedly the world's most advanced uh, row crop tractor uh, actually out uh, in the self-driving lot. So in addition to cars, you're going to see uh, a big green tractor out there demonstrating um, highly precise uh, self-driving uh, vision, computer vision systems and really getting to understand uh, what we've been doing for the last uh, 15 to 20 years in the application of, of technology uh, to John Deere equipment. Yeah, so I could take that for another 30 minutes and just pinging you with questions, John, about, about those particular uh, vehicles. <laughs> but let me back out a little bit and, and ask you about a little bit more to your experience at CES. Um, you know, it is the most influential tech event on the planet, and we have not just virtually every sector, but you know, the technologies are so myriad. Um, what are the sectors or the verticals that, that, that you're focusing on when, when you're looking for answers as well as where John Deere is heading? Um, you mentioned AI, of course, but um, 5G and connectivity has to be key for you all given you know, so many of your, you know, the rural nature of agriculture. Um, AR, VR, I'd imagine drones potentially for crop monitoring and, and, and protection. What are you looking for? at CES across the other verticals while you're there? Uh, Great question. This is my third or fourth year attending CES personally. Mm -hmm. And what I I found at CES is is it it is one of the best places to really understand uh, what's happening both from the consumer end and really the, the, the industry perspective with technology advancement. So technologies like 5G, and, I, and we mentioned con- connectivity and the importance of connectivity earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, since 2011, all of our large ag machines have come equipped with a 4G LTE modem, uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth in the cab. Um, but in many parts of, of not just uh, North America, but the world, uh, particularly in rural locations, high high bandwidth uh, connectivity is a is a real challenge for us due to lack of coverage. So we're definitely interested in where 5G may be today in urban uh, settings and where we believe it's going to be able to go and how those technologies could advance uh, uh, rural access as well as enable new precision ag capabilities on the farm. We're definitely interested in in understanding what the tier one automotive suppliers and some of those providing. Uh, advanced sensors uh, and automation technologies to support um, autonomous vehicles are doing. Um, AR and VR, uh, we're, we're applying already in some applications, but uh, definitely interested in in direction that things are heading uh, as we think about uh, augmented reality and the impacts that it can have in in in, in agriculture. So there's a, there's a lot that we're engaging and absorbing in some adjacent industries to understand how some of those technologies that maybe we're not leveraging today uh, could apply to to agriculture. All right, let's leave it there, unfortunately, for now, John, because we could go on for a long time, I'm sure. John Teeple with John Deere is Director of Advanced Technology in the Intelligent Solutions Group based in Iowa. John, a pleasure to have you with us, and we'll see you coming up in Las Vegas. 
Thanks, Tyler. Look forward to seeing you there. And I would encourage all of your listeners uh, that are going to be joining us at CES to uh, visit our booth in the South Hall in the Artificial Intelligence section. All right, I promise this is going to be a blast because with us right now is Guy Balush. He is Global Vice President for L'Oreal's Technology Incubator. Guy, first of all, it's great to have you with us. And second, um, I'm not surprised that L'Oreal is on a tech-related podcast. I imagine many people are, however, who are listening to us, surprised to hear L'Oreal so closely associated with the technology sector. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, and I'm really excited to talk to you about our tech incubator. I'm not also not surprised that some people may be um, a bit uh, uh, a bit surprised about the fact that L'Oreal is uh, uh, running a technology team, but I hope by the end of the discussion that all of you will kind of have an idea about what our future is and what we think technology and beauty can really do for the consumer. Well, let's begin the begin, if you don't mind. How did L'Oreal first get a real focus on on technology as a key business strategy? Well, it's funny. I've been at the company now for about 13 years, 12 to 13 years. And about seven years ago, um, our CEO really started to think about what the intersection between beauty and technology would mean for the future of our industry. And it was obvious that a lot of other industries were very much um, moving towards the direction of understanding the new consumer and how they're really, you know, around a lot more technology these days, which will essentially change and um, and really move us to another level when it comes to even our beauty uh, consumers. So my job was kind of to think about what could be some projects and products that we could create that would bring that intersection between technology and beauty together. And that was kind of the beginning um, seven years ago around how we created this team. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to be clear to everyone who's listening. Uh, Give has a PhD in this sector. I mean, this is L'Oreal taking it seriously. This is not just a whim, right, to try this out. Um, so you are on board, Give, and now there is a technology incubator. Um, that's a pretty serious commitment. Um, can you talk a little bit about the scope of the incubator and also some of the successes you've seen there at L'Oreal? Sure, yeah. So um, we started, as I said, about six to seven years ago, and now it's grown to about um, 35 people worldwide. So I have really a unique and diverse team. So the team goes from people that understand data science or have backgrounds in data science to um, you know, design and to um, PhDs, uh, to physicists, but also engineers and UX designers and kind of the uh, the whole goal was to kind of mix as many people that have different backgrounds together and manage projects in between where the consumer tension is and where technology can provide something new for that tension. So some examples of our projects, so our first um, project we brought to market about five years ago, four to five years ago, was Makeup Genius. So it's a an app that we worked on, a technology we worked on, which uses real-time augmented reality to show makeup. Um, and the idea on that at that time, four years ago, seems like in the technology field, it was like 100 years ago where we had, you know, our iPhone 4s and 5s where um, front-facing cameras weren't yet developed to a point where you could co- compute lots of really AR at the level we can today. 
And so we were able to kind of work with an external partner to bring the first real-time makeup, um, you know, uh, augmented reality system to the consumer. So that was our first launch. And it really met the need that consumers have so many options today and how can technology allow them to choose the right option without having to buy it to try it. Um, so that was our first one. And then we started really thinking about every year what could be new real innovations around the intersection between technology, design, and beauty. And so we started working a lot on um, personalization. So we, we created two projects one which is called Le Temps Particulier, so it's a French uh, uh, phrase, so le- even I am still learning how to say that perfectly. <laughs> and um, it's the, with our brand, Lancôme, and the need there is that 50% of women can't find the right shade of foundation. And it's um, absolutely uh, um, needed to use things like technology when you have way more shades than you have access to supply chain and products. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Our project there was kind of developing a machine which used an algorithm that we wrote that um, from a team that takes the measurement of the skin tone and makes out of 20,000 options that perfect shade of foundation. And this really was our next step into kind of moving towards providing technology and design to our consumers, Mm -hmm. but ensuring we solve really some difficult um, challenges when it comes to expectations. Um, in the beauty world today. So we did that and then we expanded that and launched at South by Southwest um, a skin version of that with our, our brand SkinCeuticals, so around the dermatologist and, and being able to give the perfect um, serum with all the right actives in it. Mm-hmm. And our most recent launch has been a lot of work we've done on um, wearable technologies the past few years with our collaboration with Northwestern University and it's a um, it's a UV sensor called My Skin Track UV, and we're really excited about it because we unveiled that at CES this year, so 2018 CES, and um, we we just brought it to market uh, about a month ago at Apple, and so we're really excited that um, we were able to to bring that to, to the Apple Store, and it's a um, it's a the world's first battery free wearable, and the goal of that is to really give information and education about UV um, with a way that really focuses on design elements that make a wearable much more um, user-friendly, like not needing to charge it and it being small enough to put anywhere on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that today melanoma is on the rise, we really felt that we needed to develop technology around that um, expectation of our consumers. So we we have you know new projects every year, every year kind of focused on that bridge between technology and beauty. So it sounds like, uh, Guy, there's also something of a, of a delineation at L'Oreal between beauty and health itself, and that the first uh, two examples you just cited were very much in the beauty sector of technology, enhancing the experience for, for consumers who are examining products and, and considering buying. But then it sounds like there's a real shift toward the health sector when you're dealing with, with wearables and, and actual skin care and, and treatment and prevention of, of, of challenges and um, other issues. Yeah, I think, you know, what's really happening these days is really there is still a distinct, uh, a, you know, a kind of line between health and beauty, but that real, like, health, wellness, um, lifestyle, it's all becoming part of the beauty experience as well. 
um, in, a, in a very kind of inspirational way, meaning that today when we see this kind of precision medicine and this idea that health is moving more towards the idea of people being able to access through information that they have on themselves the right amount of uh, their product, we have the same kind of inspiration in the beauty industry where there's so many problems that can be solved if people can have access to their beauty information. And a lot of that tends to be things that, you know, people aren't aware of today, like the amount of UV rays that they are actually receiving on a day-to-day basis. Um, and uh, also beyond that, even in the color cosmetics field, it could be just around getting the right product and having a more precise um, product that is either chosen the, in a way where people have really the right information about themselves or made tailor-made for them. And I think that opens a lot of doors into what beauty tech and beauty tech really is and what it can provide to the future. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, look, I love hearing about your product launch uh, here at CES. And, and remember the launch from, from 2018. What about the upcoming show? 2019, what does L'Oreal have planned both for uh, marketing, exposure, engagement? What, uh, what's on your mind as you head into the, the upcoming show? Well, you know, we're very excited about 2019, so I'm going to try my best not to um, get myself in trouble by giving too much information. (laughs) Hey, point point noted, Gieve. Got um, it. (laughs) So we're quite excited about this year as well. So, you know, um, our commitment in technology has always been a couple of points that's really important to us. First is we always want to come out with something which, um, even just outside of the beauty industry, is an interesting technology innovation, and that requires a lot of our commitment and work with our external partners, um, people like Northwestern University and some of these you know great um, partners we have, and also obviously our con- consistent commitment to design and ensuring that we develop beautiful experiences and products. And um, on top of that, I think just alluding to your previous comment that, you know, more and more we find that this kind of link between um, important information for the consumer through um, through connectivity and through some uh, data and some of the devices that we can come to provide to them allows us an ability to provide a kind of new experience, a new level of performance for the product itself. So we're, we're looking into, you know, coming into 2019 with something hopefully just as exciting as we had on last, uh, the last CES around this kind of link between um, the evolution of the skin and how we can help consumers understand new avenues into how to get the best products based on their actual skin itself. Mm-hmm. What about you, Gave, uh personally? Um as the global vice president of, of your tech incubator, uh, you very much have to understand and in some ways anticipate emerging technologies. Uh, you talked about your uh, use of AR for early uh, L'Oreal tech adoption, um, data analysis. Uh, I assume that AI is something that has you excited, but, but what other major ingredient technologies are you looking at to, to adapt for the incubator and, and um, further leverage across the L'Oreal product line? Yeah, it's you know I'm I'm constantly I actually have a wonderful job to be uh, you know um, uh, to say it as humbly as possible, but I really do have this incredible job. I wake up every day and I'm really um, passionate about where we can take technology and beauty because first of all, our consumer in the beauty industry is constantly evolving, has many many um, high expectations, and we have to find ways to deliver those expectations around 
um, the level of performance of their products and ensuring they have the right, um, you know, regimens and products for them. And so for that reason, there's so many avenues where we can use science and tech um, around uh, all the way from color to understanding skin to, you know, um, developing uh, products that work better, you know, with and without devices. And so, like, I, I'm able to have really a large scope of, um, of excitement around the technology world. That being said, I think um, you can get lost in that. I've learned the past six years I can get lost in that very quickly. So we're, our focus has very much been on first understanding the major consumer tensions. What are the things that today consumers really want that without technology it's difficult to provide? And then finding then the right, you know, blocks of, of tech that around the world that allow us to give it to them. So, I, you know, I have incredible collaborators around the world doing things like um, I did with Northwestern on battery-free wearables mm-hmm. all the way to microelectronics to data to, like you said, um, people doing AI and also our own internal teams. And so what we do is we really start with attention and we say, which one of these new emerging techs can help us? to develop something spectacular, not just in terms of tech innovation, but also in the need and the design that we provide in the end for the consumer. So I've been very lucky to have this incredible team that's able to bridge all those three. And so being able to have that um, and also having access to so many um, smart and intelligent people outside of our field as well as inside um, keeps me really excited every day about this job. L'Oreal's technology incubator is a great example of the fact that every company today is or needs to be a tech company. Give Balouch is global vice president of L'Oreal's tech incubator. And Give, a great time today. Thanks so much, and we will see you very soon in Las Vegas. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see you all in Vegas. All right, coming up next time on CES Tech Talk. We're addressing an emerging technology that is at this intersection where both consumers and commercial businesses are very excited and they're incorporating all the benefits this involves, and it's enjoying exponential popularity. We're talking about the drone sector, a sector that CTA predicts will exceed $1 billion in revenue here in the U.S. in 2018. I'm really excited about the ways that we're seeing drones being used Uh, not just in commercial and consumer applications, but in public safety. We are here to help you get CES ready. So make sure you subscribe to the CES Tech Talk podcast. That way you won't miss any of our episodes as we prep you up for the big show. Speaking of CES 2019, January 8th through the 11th in Las Vegas. The info you need to get ready is at ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our true superstars. Tina Anthony is our producer. John Lindsay is our engineer, and you are both the best. As for you, really glad you're with us today. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.